0: All right, well again, welcome to Hope Lower Town. Uh, those of you who don't know me, my name is Brian, uh, lead pastor here, and excited to jump back into Romans. This is week 26, uh, believe it or not, even though um, if you're new and you're like, wow, holy cow, 26 weeks, yep. We took the summer off, but we are now jumping back into it. Um, one thing that I don't know if I've, I've ever mentioned, and I probably should have, shame on me, um, is that my boss, um, again, not like the boss, like my actual earthly boss, Steve Treichler, Uh he is, he is our, uh, no one's just like, no, no, don't do that. Uh, he is uh, the senior pastor of Hope Community Church. We are Hope Community Church Lower Town, there's Hope Community Church Downtown Minneapolis, and there's Hope Community Church Columbia Heights. And so we are three locations uh, is what we call them instead of campuses because we function uh, pretty independently. But he is the senior pastor kind of overseeing everything, um, even though a lot of you have never met the guy or don't even know what he looks like. And that's okay. That's kind of by design. Um, He might fill in at some point and preach here. He, he can, uh, he has that, oh, that right uh, to do that. I can invite him to do that. I uh, just haven't, because I like preaching. <laughs> uh, but that being said, he has a podcast called Romans Untangled, and I don't know if I've ever uh, shared that. Uh, maybe I have in the past, or but he has a, he's been going through Romans for the last couple of years in his podcast. And it's called Romans Untangled. It's, just, it's very accessible. He doesn't get stuck and bogged down into the weeds. Um, there's a lot of podcasts out there about Romans. There's a lot of commentaries about Romans. Uh, I really like how uh, Pastor Steve approaches um, this in Romans entangled. He's not preaching, uh, so he's not he's not you know yelling at you the way I like to do sometimes. Um, but he he really just takes a, a the seemingly difficult text and untangles it for us. And so, um, anyways, just want to let you know uh, about that. I think it's available pretty much on everything. And if you can't find it, it's on our website. If you just go to hopecc.com and go to resources, I know that that is on there. So. That's that. Let me go ahead and uh, just share. We've been now in the in, in this fall looking at chapters 4 through 8. We're going to be finishing chapter 5 today. But uh, we started in the spring going 1 through 3, looking at what is the gospel, uh, that every single human being has fallen short of the glory of God, and Jesus is the answer. He has to be the answer. Whether you're Jewish or Gentile, whether you are religious or irreligious, Jesus is the answer. And it's always been Jesus. That's the point. And now here we are in Romans Four through eight saying, okay, well then how does this impact me? Uh, how does the gospel and the good news of the freedom that I have in Jesus Christ affect how I live? And so that's what we've been looking at. Last week, um, I'll be honest, I, I messed up. Uh, I messed up two weeks ago in that I preached Romans chapter five, one through 11. I wasn't supposed to do that. Uh, I was supposed to do Romans like one through five or something like that, but I didn't. I just got too excited talking about justification and I, and I got ahead of myself. So last week, Uh, I preached Romans 5, 12 through 14, but this week I was supposed to preach Romans 5, 12 through 21. I am really glad I made that mistake because last week, looking at Romans 5, 12 through 14, there is a lot in there. Uh, And there's a lot of big theological terms and themes and questions that pop up. And the biggest question that pops up last week is, can we be declared guilty by a representative? The apostle Paul is going to say, we are all sinners in Adam, that we sin because we're sinners, not we are sinners because we sin, right? We, we are sinners. Everything, every human being is tainted by evil because of what Adam did in the garden, that he was our representative, what theologians will call original sin. And original sin, again, remember, is not what was the sin that Adam committed or didn't commit. The sin, the original sin, the idea is what resulted from the original sin. And that is total depravity of every human being who has ever lived except Jesus Christ. And so let me go ahead and read where we were last week as we walked through this. And so if you have like, wow, questions came flying into my head as you were reading that, you can go online and listen to that sermon again. So Romans 5, verse 12 says, "'Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin,' And so death spread to all men because all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin was not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Right? So hey, Adam, Adam was told clearly what to do and what not to do, and he he sinned. But how come everyone after Adam still died? It's just because they were also sinning. They knew what was right, it was written on their hearts, and they still chose the sin, and therefore death reigned. Who was a type of the one to come? Speaking specifically of Adam. And so I want to focus in on that idea of a type. Uh, and that's going to be very clear, the Apostle Paul now, in these verses that we're going to look at today, in Romans 5, 15 through 21, uh, titled this, a True and Better Adam, the True and Better Adam, which is Jesus, but part two because we, kind of, we, we kind of opened that can last week of looking at how Adam is a, a type of Christ. So what do I mean by that? I could easily uh, have titled this sermon, The Superiority of Christ. And, and I'm telling you, this, this text, it just screams, Jesus is better. We need Jesus. And so if anything I say takes it away from the superiority of Christ, shame on me. Uh, and, and just forget about all that, okay? I just, so I'm gonna, we're gonna actually just gonna read the text here in a minute. And if that's all you hear, glory to God, because you're gonna hear Jesus over and over and over again, how much better he is than Adam and sin and death, that he is good and obedience in life. And that's very evident in the text. And so I want us all to see that this morning and just sit in awe of what Jesus has accomplished for us. What is this idea of a type of Christ? We get a couple of times in the Bible, very explicit, this is a type of Christ, or he was a type, or uh, sometimes uh, looking at some individual, how they represent someone greater who's going to come. Jesus talks about this. Someone greater than Solomon is here. Uh, someone greater than Melchizedek is here. Actually, that doesn't say that. I made that one up. Uh, there's all these different things where there's someone greater than Jonah. There's all these priestly people and prophetic people that Jesus says, oh no, I'm better, I'm bigger, I'm greater. But there's this comparison. Why does the Apostle Paul specifically in this category do that? Uh, this is my dog. Uh, she's dead. Um, and I love her, miss her dearly. She died uh, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, but Daisy was her name, golden retriever. Uh, Angela and I had her for a little over 10 years um, and developed a brain tumor, doesn't really matter. Didn't work out too well for her. Um, But I miss her dearly, and I, I really do. And even just looking at this picture of her just at the lake by us, that we, she loved the water. We couldn't drive by the lake without her just whining and whimpering. Um, and one time she jumped out of my Jeep while I was driving, and that did not go well for her either. Um, and uh, that's just who she was. Now, here's the point. This is the point. That's for me to just talk about my dog, who am I miss? I will probably never get another dog because I do not want to have to go through that ever again. Uh, it was awful. Huh, here we go. Why did I pick my dog, to use this analogy? Could have been any dog. <laughs> why why do we do this? Why do you do this to yourself? Okay, here we go. The point is this, if you were to look at my dog, Daisy, and I would just say, I want you to just make some observations. I want you to make some observations about my dog. You'd say, OK, well, she's kind of this dark auburn uh, color. She's got mm, you know, these long, furry, floppy ears. She's got a very full tail. She's, a, she's big. Uh, she's a bigger dog, she's not, you know, and um, uh, she has you know, just a gentle demeanor. Uh, you know, I, could, I, could, I would do that. The whole point of a type, though, would be to compare the dog to another dog. This is my cousin's dog, Eva. Um, unfortunately, he had to put his dog down just this last week. Ha! it's not even my dog. Why do I do this? Dogs are so stupid. Ah, geez. The whole point of this is, uh, Eva, great dog, right? Uh, the whole point of looking at a type, though, is to say, now Now, what I want you to do is not just make observations about Daisy, I want you to now make observations about how she's different than Eva. Do you, do you see that, right? Oh, well, Eva's got long, tall, pointy ears, and Daisy's are floppy. Daisy is softer than than Eva. Um, Daisy has a longer coat than Eva. Daisy is shorter but stockier uh, than Eva, right? Eva is clearly more athletic, uh, clearly uh, more uh, prone to protect you in danger, right? Uh, I remember one time I was at their house, actually, one time. Uh, We we dog-watched each other all the time, and these dogs were just inseparable. And we were over at his house, And he had a couple times where some people would be, like, jump his fence, running from the police, running from who knows what, and they would be in his backyard, and Eva would hold him there until the cops showed up. That had happened a couple times. Um, Daisy would never do that, right? Uh, Not a chance. And I remember one time we were over there, and... Angela was looking out the window and somehow saw my reflection further away in the house and thought it was somebody outside in the yard, right? And so she just says, Brian, somebody's out there. And I'm not kidding you, my first instinct, I just go, Eva, get him! And I mean, and she just tears outside, and there was nobody there. Uh, It was all all good, but right? But if I said, Daisy, get him, she's going to run behind me. You know what I mean? Like that, just, those are comparisons. And so when we look at Adam and Jesus, you can clearly see the differences between the two. There are some similarities, and that's what the Apostle Paul is going to say. There are some, there's ways where they are the same, and there are ways where they are different. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Jesus, the greater Adam, Adam and Jesus let me go ahead and read this. If you're able, let me uh, read this. I'll read this out loud. If you could stand uh, with me as I read this aloud, um, I will read this and just follow along. Again, this is Romans chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Sorry about the typo there. Romans chapter 5, 15 through 21 says this. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. We're just going to be walking through the text uh, this morning and and a little bit of an outline, looking again at how Adam and Christ are alike and how they are unalike. Uh, and but the first point, though, just kind of walking through this text, is this idea of a free gift. And so Romans five verse fifteen, uh, it says this in this passage, these first couple of verses, four different times, this idea of a free gift, and it, and it's and it's all linked, it's connected to justification. What is the free gift? The free gift is justification. The free gift is declaration of innocence. You have been declared. Unrighteous, you have fallen short of the glory of God because of your sinfulness in Adam and your own sin, but now we are declared innocent in Christ. That's the free gift. This is a big pet peeve of mine. I can't stand that this text says free gift. Matter of fact, when you open up PowerPoint, as you type it in and you put this text in there, there's a little blue underlined dot, (laughs) and you click on it and it says grammar conciseness. Just say gift. You don't need to say free gift. That's redundant. That doesn't make any sense. What is a free gift? It's a gift. Okay? That's the whole point. Yesterday, uh, Paul, our Paul, uh, he set up a booth at the Marydale. A couple of you were able to, to get out there. Uh, I know Nolan was helping and, and Ben was volunteering with the, uh, the, whole, the whole event over there. Marydale will festival. Uh, and they, they went out there and Paul had, he just had a little booth for hope and had this little, this little spinny wheel. And so I went over with my kids. We were dropping off some ice for Paul and um, they had this spinny wheel and they would spin the wheel and you would get, you know, free treats, free candy, free snacks, whatever. And he said it was a big hit with the kids yesterday, not just my kids. Well, Henry, my six-year-old does it. Jack, my four-year-old does it. Emma, my two-year-old just was like, I don't want to do it. And she's, she's like, no, I'm not doing it. I was like, oh, well, Emma, let me, come on, I'll, I'll do it with you. Let me come over, let me help you do it. All you gotta do is spin the wheel and you get free food. Like, why would you not? And she didn't wanna do it. And Henry was like, well, can I do it for her? And it's like, no, Paul didn't put all this stuff out here for the silver kids. You know what I mean? Like, that's not why he's out here doing this, right? So I was like, no, if she doesn't want it, she doesn't, she doesn't need it, she doesn't get it. Well, all the way home, Emma cried because she didn't have a snack and her brothers did. And it was like, Emma, you, you were offered <laughs> freely this gift and you didn't take it, right? You, you didn't do it. You are responsible for your actions and you, all you had to do was accept this gift. And again, this, this idea of a free gift, it's just a pet peeve. I actually, I, on uh, TikTok, I follow a lot of people who travel a lot and there's a guy who goes to, he was in Egypt at least at the time. He's right outside the pyramids and he was like, hey, I wanna just demonstrate something to you in action. And he goes walking along and someone comes up and, and, just, and just trying to just, you know, sell his wares or whatever he's got. And he's starting to talk and he's like, oh, where are you from? And he goes, oh, I'm from Scotland. And the, and the guy talking is like, oh, I hate England. And he's like, well, no, I mean, I, I am English. And then, but he's wearing a hat that's got the English flag on. He's like, oh, no, no, I love, I love England. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, wait a second, right? And he's trying to be buddies with them, you know, and, and all that. And he's, and the guy, they get talking for a while and the guy that's selling the stuff, well, he's not selling it. He says, hey, let me, let me give you one of these for free. And the guy says, no, I don't want that. Uh, I don't want your, your gift, um, I'm okay. And he goes walking away and you can see the guy, he just says, once he says, no, I don't want it, he turns away and walks away. And he says, hey, this is a, just kind of a trap that tourists can fall into sometimes, that someone will offer you something for free and when you take it, they want a donation. And he's like, but if I have to give a donation for the gift, then it's not a gift, right? It's a purchase. And that's why in the English translations, because that word free isn't in the original, the Greek text, but we add it because as Americans, especially Westerners, we really struggle with the idea of gifts and just accepting a gift and not saying, oh yeah, I need to, I need to return the favor. I need to get you something as well. We really struggle with this idea of reciprocity, tit for tat, quid pro quo. We struggle with that. Well we, we expect if I do something for you, you do something for me. Jesus says, "I do all of this for you. Stop it. It's finished. That's a gift. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I kind of forgot where I was going. All right, this is going all the way back, a couple weeks, two weeks, to, to Romans chapter 5, 8 through 11. This is how we know it's a gift because listen to look, these are the words that I've highlighted. They're all passive. You have been justified. You will be saved. You were reconciled. We are reconciled. We will be saved, right? It's all, these are all passive verbs. Somebody else is doing the verbiage, doing the action on our behalf, and that's Christ. It's free. It's a gift. Jesus, the greater Adam, Jesus. Uh, we're gonna look at this now, this, this idea of comparing the two. In the first couple of things, we're gonna see how Jesus is not like Adam. We're gonna see this idea of much more. Now we might do a little bit of math here. And when we look at the text, we might go, okay, here's what's happening. There's some math going on here when it, when it comes to our sin righteousness bank. And, and, and Adam subtracts one, and then Jesus comes along and he adds one. The apostle Paul says, no, there is not a net zero here. It doesn't work that way. Yes, Adam was a negative one, but Jesus is plus infinity is what he's getting at. But the free gift, this gift that we have to accept purely based on Jesus and his merit is not like The trespass is not like the sin, the wrong of Adam. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ abounded for many." There's different math going on here. You see, how, how can it be much more? I don't understand. Again, the much more is the certainty. This isn't much more in like a numerical sense, like math, like the illustration I've been using. Much more certain that I will be saved rather than I'm much more certain that I will be destroyed for my sin. Much more certain that Christ and Jesus is the answer. And the, the math here is different in that it can't be minus one plus one because in Adam... We have sin added to our account that we can't pay for. But Adam was the consequence of one action applied to many, where Jesus, if we think about it, doesn't just take away Adam's sin and the effects of Adam's sin, but also all of our sins and all of humanity's sins that put their faith in him. This is innumerable amount of sins. Adam does one, Jesus does infinite the opposite direction when it comes to the forgiveness of sins, much, much more. And not just sins and human beings, but as we're gonna look at in a couple of weeks, we're gonna see this also affects creation and the created world, that the world is groaning in pain and the effects of the fall that happen around us on a daily basis, that that also will be fixed as a result of Christ. Douglas Moo, in his commentary, says this condemnation through Adam is inescapable, and Paul says nothing that would diminish the horrible reality of this judgment under which all people stand. But alongside condemnation, there is the grace of God. And since it is precisely God's grace with which we have to do, there is an abounding plus a superabundance connected with God's gift in Christ that has the power not only to cancel the effect of Adam's work, but to create positively life and peace. That's the difference. That is the much more. How else is Jesus not like Adam? And the idea here is justification. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass, one sin, brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification, brought equal, or not equal, but but a positive, brought declared innocence. This is not net neutrality. Again, the Apostle Paul could have just said, it just brings life. It brings us now, we don't die, we now have eternal life, but he doesn't stop there. We become brothers and sisters with what Jesus Christ accomplishes at the cross. Charles Cranfield, just the, in his commentary on Romans says this, that one single misdeed should be answered by judgment. This is perfectly understandable. We have a concept for this. Even if we, we might look at this and say, we'll get to this, I don't understand how this is fair. Adam affecting everybody, Jesus affecting some that, that believe, we'll get there. But this is an understandable concept. Right, I remember if you if you played sports or if you did anything as a group, if you were in a group project uh, in high school or college, this is true, right? And I, I remember in high school in, in basketball, we would do at the end of the end of the practice, the coach would just pick one guy to shoot free throws, and if that guy he he had to shoot two free throws, and if he missed one, we're doing suicides. I like, uh, probably can't. That's canceled. Probably don't call it that anymore. Um, probably for good reasons. We would do these wind sprints on the court, right? And if he missed both of the free throws, then we had to run even more, right? And, and so what happened? The entire team would get punished when someone missed a free throw. You see that? We, we understand that. In a group project, you get paired up with somebody and, and everyone's, you, you know, you knew the guy, right? When you paired up, you're like, oh man, we're We're done. Right, because this guy has to do something. So either you have to work harder to compensate or he has to do something for the group project and you know he's not gonna do it and the entire group is gonna suffer because of that person's failing. We have a concept for that, but he says this, that the, uh, that the accumulated sins and guilt of all the ages should be answered by God's free gift. This is the miracle of miracles utterly beyond human comprehension. When you are getting beat, when you are getting destroyed in a, in a sport, in a, in a game, right? You're playing a board game, you're just getting annihilated. And then all of a sudden you make one move, one event, right? You make one play and all of a sudden now you're winning? We would call that cheating. That's not how life works. You don't, when you're getting beat, when you're losing, when you're getting destroyed, do one thing and now all of a sudden it undoes all the wrong and gives you so much more positive to where you're winning. It doesn't, life doesn't work that way. If you, were, if you got an F on a group project and you had an F and someone was like, forget this, I'm gonna go talk to the professor. And they walk up there and they have a simple conversation. He comes out, he's says, we got an A plus. You're like, what in the world did you say to the guy? Something fishy's going on here. <laughs> in a positive way, an only way jesus is that but he doesn't cheat because he wrote the rules and he said i am the only way this can happen i'm the only one that can make an answer for all your wrong doings and we saw then the implications of our justification on a positive side a couple of weeks ago our justification our declared innocence we have peace with god it says that we were enemies of God. And it's not that we didn't like God, but he was like, oh, please, I beg you, come here. He also was like, you deserve my wrath. We're enemies. And now we have peace with God. We have access to his grace. We can rejoice even in the midst of suffering and then salvation, not just life equal standing, but so much more. That's the much more that Jesus offers over death that we deserve. Now we're going to kind of flip. Jesus is like Adam. How, he, how is Jesus like Adam? What are the kind of the positives of the similarities between these two dogs of Eva and Daisy? He's going to say this in verse 17. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man much more, it's the same phrase, much more certain can we be that, we, uh, that will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift, of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. There's this phrase that's used. The comparison here is the idea of one man. Adam was one man, Jesus is one man. But now the difference here, we all are condemned now through one man. Again, much more on this gift. Over and over, we're taught by Jesus himself and the apostles that he is the way. He is the one man. There are no other gods beside me. There is no other higher power that, we can, that can help us in our life. There is no better self that we can make to improve our life. We can get to know ourselves. We can take personality tests, yes. But if we wanna be saved, one man, Jesus Christ. And a side point here, I think, is that we need to share the good news of that savior. The apostle Peter talks about we need to share the good news of him who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. This past week in systematic theology, we were talking about apologetics, just the defense of our faith. And we went through uh, kind of these ideas of a proof for God. Can you prove that there is a God? Looking at the, the cosmos, the, the universe or, or small, the finite details of a human being or or atoms and the order that we see in creation. Uh, can we look at just proofs? Can we just reason that there is a God? Or can we look at the moral purpose of a human being that all humans have this morality compass? Can we Point that to a creator. And I talked about this idea that when we know and we believe, uh, right? The, the whole kind of idea is, what's, is this necessary? Uh, should we try to talk and reason with people about our faith? Is it gonna, because I can't make somebody believe. So then what's the point? And Just stop doing it all together. Of course not. We share the good news. And I brought up, and this, this has been used for a long time since it happened, but maybe when this conversation happened, most of you probably weren't even born yet. Uh, but this is Penn and Teller. Uh, Penn, the taller guy, they're, they're magicians uh, and uh, they're still in Vegas. They're still on TV. They have like a fool, fool Us, I think is the name of the show, where a magician comes up, they do something, you fool them, then they, they win. But normally they know exactly what, what, how to do it. Anyways, Penn is uh, a, a very uh, vocal atheist. Doesn't believe in God and doesn't like God. Uh, and doesn't like people who believe in God. Thinks that we're morons. Uh, and that's okay uh, it doesn't make him a moron. He's a very brilliant man. Uh, but he, one day he had, he had this, he shared this story. He was sitting down in front of his computer. He had super long hair. It had to have been the nineties, like on a camera. Um, and, and he's sharing this story that he went and he, he had just performed something. And some guy came up to him and was trying to give him a Bible. And, and he was, he said, initially, I was really annoyed. He's like, but this guy wouldn't stop. He just wouldn't stop talking about Jesus until I took the Bible. So I finally took it and he left me alone. And then I got thinking, he's like, I was getting mad. Why is this guy coming to me and sharing this story about Jesus? And he said, actually, the more I thought about it, why don't more Christians proselytize? He's like, if I actually believed that if someone was standing in front of me and there was a bus coming to kill them, and I knew that bus was going to kill them, I would do everything in my power to get them out of the way of that bus. That's Christianity. He said, he's like, "If, if if I believe I'm gonna, that everyone's gonna go to hell that doesn't believe in Jesus, actually they should be sharing the good news of Jesus. And that is the story, that is the power of the one man. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No, no one goes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. The last point, at least looking at this comparison, is that Jesus is like Adam in this way that he did something for everyone the same way that Adam did. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, we might be sitting back and saying, wow, this is okay. Hey, great. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is the hero of the story. I'm still confused on the math. I'm still confused on the the fairness, if you will. Because in Adam, this is true, in Adam, he sins and every human being who's ever lived is condemned, is a sinner. But in Jesus, it says, yes, much more in Jesus, all this abundance, but we know that not everyone belief, just like my little Emma. Not everyone's going to take and accept that gift. You're going to say, I see it. I don't want it. How, how is it much more? Theologically, we could talk about this all day long. And I have. I've preached on this in the past, six years ago when we started the church. But looking at this idea uh, of, of declared righteousness on somebody, that the, the, the result of Christ. And his sacrifice on the cross, the phrase that theologians will use, is that it's sufficient for all. That if every human being that has ever existed put their faith in Christ, he is superior and powerful enough to forgive them of their sins and cleanse them from their unrighteousness as if it never happened. He can do that. The problem is, Not all people do, it is sufficient for all, but it's only effective for those who believe. It's only effective for those who put their faith in Christ. Only made righteous, only, only those people are made righteous are those who accept that gift. So this last point here is it's all about Jesus. When I look at this last little phrase here, now the law came in. Again, the only time the apostle Paul in the book of Romans, at least so far, uses that word law, it's always a negative thing. It's always a negative viewpoint, law. It's never a good thing. He will talk about the scriptures or Moses being positive, but never law, law is always a negative. It says, now the law came in. The only other time that we get this language from the Apostle Paul is in Galatians chapter two, three through five. And it says, yet because of false brothers secretly secretly brought in, who slipped in. Okay, that's the same word here that the Apostle Paul is using. Same author, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. To them, we did not yield into submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. This idea of the law is this sneaky thing just trying to seduce us to say, yeah, Jesus is great, but look what we can do. Look how good you can be. He's saying, no, 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 no. It's always this slippery spy seeking to convince us to woo us back into law and legalism and slavery to the law of good works and in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's gonna say, hey, listen, if you could get saved through the law, if anyone could be saved through the law, Jesus died in vain. The law, no bueno. That means no good, I think. Probably shouldn't use the language I don't know anything about. (laughs) I'm a cultured man. The law came in, why? Right, it snuck in there. It became alongside, to increase the trespass. What? This is a wild statement. The law doesn't fix anything. Matter of fact, what the apostle Paul is saying here is it actually makes it worse. The laws make sin more. Now, the apostle Paul in a couple of weeks is gonna again talk about, this does not make law the problem. Law is not evil. Law is not bad. The people who disobey the laws are the ones who are bad. The ones that hear the law and disobey is the problem. Before the law comes around, there was no idea of Sabbath rest. But then God shows up and says, You will rest on the Sabbath. And now, when I don't rest on the Sabbath, I now break a law that once wasn't there. Sin is everywhere because of the law. And this is so true in our lives. And I think I've probably used this before, right? This idea of the this, this speed, you know, the police set up these speed things and remind you it's 25 miles an hour. And I've, I've never personally seen these, but I have seen people that uh, a lot of pictures on the, online of, of a scorecard, right? Of like, here's how fast I was able to go. Now, most likely the guy that wrote the high score of 58 probably usually cruised around that neighborhood about 30, 35, right? And all of a sudden you get this law blatantly in your face. And he's like, huh, I wonder how fast I can go through here, right? That's just what the law, that's what the law does. It increases the trespasses. It increases sin. But then we get Jesus. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. The law just points out and says, you can not do it. You're going to fall on your face. You're never going to be good enough. You need Jesus. You need grace. You need all the more grace in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever, uh, if you've had one of those um, uh, co-workers or a family member uh, or somebody who you can't say anything without them, you, me, right? You, me, you say something, oh, that's cool. Oh, you went camping this weekend. Let me tell you about this time. I went to the Boundary Waters for a month. Oh, okay, cool, man. Sweet, thanks, right? And this one time I went on a cruise for three days. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. I go on cruises eight times a year. Wow, that's good for you, man. Hey, let me tell you about, I ran a 5K. I run a marathon every right? You know what I'm talking about. We all know people like this. And if you don't, maybe you're the one. <laughs> And I, know, and I know I can fall. I, I, I struggle with this as well, right? I, I, get into, I, I love hearing the stories people are telling. I go, I want to tell a story too. In a way, this is Jesus. Jesus is the annoying family member. Jesus is the annoying coworker. Then we say, oh man, you won't believe this bad thing I did. Jesus is like, oh, that was really bad. Let me tell you about this cool thing I did. Let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about the finished work that I've done. Oh, oh! I'm going to talk about this awful thing that I, that just happened to me. Wow, that sounds awful. You haven't heard anything of what I've done for you, right? That's that's Jesus. It's you, me. Oh yeah, sin, injustice, uh, all these uh, trespasses, all these different things. And Jesus says, no, but grace and grace upon grace abounds so much more. You need me. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In gospel application, simply Jesus is so incredibly superior. You, me, him. It's all about Jesus. He is incredibly superior to your sin, to your guilt, to your shame. He's superior. He's paid for it all. He is superior to any problem that you're facing. The fears, the anxieties that keep you up at night, he is superior to them. He's superior to your financial woes. As difficult and as taxing as they can be, Jesus is superior. He is superior to your difficult family member or your difficult family. He's better, he's more fulfilling, he's superior. He's superior to your cancer, he's superior to your sicknesses. He's superior to your marriage and the problems you might have. He's superior to your singleness, and the desires you might have. He's superior to your child or your children or your problem child. He's superior to your job or your lack of a job or a track. He's superior to your schoolwork or your education or your degree. He's superior to your fatigue. He's superior to your tiredness. He's superior to your lack of rest. He says, come to me all who are weary, regardless of what thing it is that's on our mind. And he says, I will give you rest for your soul. We lose sleep over a lot of things, we're humans. We really think about a lot, we struggle with a lot. And the older I get, the more things I worry about. But the one thing I know that when I put my head on the pillow, I don't have to worry about is my eternal soul. Because Jesus is far greater than anything that I have ever done or not done. He's superior and he gives me rest for my soul. When we take this communion, (laughs) every week we take communion here at Lower Town and we remember, remember the broken body of Christ and his blood that was shed for us. And for thousands of years, people would perform sacrifices and this idea of a Passover meal and Jesus says, oh, you you think that goat was good? Look at me. I'm better. I'm superior. Oh, you, you think the wrath of God was something? It is. You deserve it. Let me pay for it. And we get to remember that every single week. We take this meal. The law is oppressive. Me, freedom. Death, bad eternal life, good me. All I would ask is that you're a follower of Jesus. If you love Jesus, if you love this Jesus, who's incredibly superior, I would love for you to take these elements with us. You don't need to be a member of this church or any church for that matter, but if you say, yeah, that Jesus, the one who pays my penalty, the one that I have deserved, the one that is far superior than anything I could ever do or have done, yeah, yeah, I like that guy. I'd love for you to take these elements with us to remember the finished work of Christ and the cross, because we can't add anything to it. Let me pray. Worship team's gonna come back up. They're gonna sing a couple songs. Feel free to grab these elements as you see fit. Um, Sit down and confess, uh, rejoice, praise, worship, uh, and then feel free to stand and sing uh, whenever you'd like. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for just, again, just this rich text, this passage that just says, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the answer. And that those of us who put our faith and our belief in Jesus now and forever, not just even for the rest of our lives on this earth, but for eternal life, as we see here in verse 21, we will scream, I'm okay in Jesus, not because of anything that I've done. Only Jesus, passive, this free gift of redundancy. It's all you. God, we love you, praise you. And it's in your son's most beautiful name, this powerful name of the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, that we pray, amen.